For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. I will arise and go forth to the house of my father. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. House of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject, The 7,000-Year Plan of God. This is part five of the series. So now we're going to look at various examples in the Bible which prophetically foreshadow 7,000 years of time and 6,000 years of this present era which is associated with the six days that man and the earth is to work, but on the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest. To begin with, we're going to look at Genesis chapter 7 and verses 11 and 12, where it is written, In the six hundredth year of Noah's life, the windows of heaven were open, and it began to rain upon the earth for forty days and forty nights. So Noah, being six hundred years of age when the flood came, is a prophecy that after 6,000 years of this present era, as we start the seventh day, or the day of the Lord, that the God of Israel is going to bring judgment upon the nations, or judgment upon the world. Next, we're going to look at Lazarus, who is a prophetic picture of Israel. Lazarus in Hebrew means the one whom God helps. And the one whom the God of Israel helps, or is in partnership in this world, is the nation of Israel. So we can see in John chapter 11 verse 1 that Lazarus is sick. And in John chapter 11 verse 6, when Yeshua heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed with him for two days. At the end of those two days, Lazarus died. As Yeshua said in John chapter 11 verse 14, Lazarus is dead. And then we can see from John chapter 11 verse 39, that Lazarus had been dead for four days. So now we have a total of six days. First, the two days when Lazarus was sick, he then died. And then four days after his death, Yeshua is going to resurrect Lazarus from the dead. This is a prophetic picture that there is going to be a resurrection of the dead after 6,000 years of time. Lazarus is a prophetic picture of this resurrection of the dead. That is why Yeshua said to Martha in John chapter 11 verse 23, your brother will rise again. And in John chapter 11 verse 24, Martha said, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. The last day being the seventh day or the day of the Lord. So after six days is the resurrection of the dead. As we start the seventh day, known as the day of the Lord, which is the prophetic Sabbath of creation. 
The next prophetic picture we're going to see is from Exodus chapter 21 and verse 2, wherein we see that a Hebrew servant, after he has served for six years, in the seventh year he is to be free, as it is written. If you buy a Hebrew servant six years, he shall serve, and in the seventh he shall go out free for nothing. The next prophetic picture we're going to look at is King Joash, as we're going to see that he was hidden for six years. In 2 Kings chapter 11, verses 2 and 3, it is written, And Jehoshaphat, the daughter of King Joram, took Joash, and he hid him in the house of the Lord for six years. And then we can see from 2 Kings chapter 11, verse 21, when Joash was seven years of age, he began to reign. This is a prophetic picture that after six days, which also can be likened to six years, or after 6,000 years of time, after Yeshua returns and sets his feet down on the Mount of Olives, the nation of Israel is going to rule and reign with Yeshua over the nations during the thousand-year Messianic era. We could see how the throne ruling and reigning is associated with the number seven, from 2nd Chronicles chapter 9 verses 17 and 18 where here we can see that there were six steps before you reached the throne of the king of Israel or in this case the throne of Solomon so in 2nd Chronicles chapter 9 verses 17 and 18 it is written moreover the king made a great throne of ivory and overlaid it with pure gold and there were six steps to the throne. So after you climb the six steps, then you had the throne. This is a prophetic picture once again that after 6,000 years of time, the nation of Israel will rule and reign with Yeshua when he sets up his kingdom during the Messianic era. So the seventh day of creation, wherein the Creator, that is Yeshua the Messiah, who created the heavens and the earth, as stated in John chapter 1 verse 3 and verse 10 and Colossians chapter 1 verses 15 and 16, when he completed his creative work, he rested on the seventh day. Genesis chapter 2 verses 1 through 3. And so that seventh day, Sabbath rest of creation, is also associated with marriage as the Hebrew word for complete and the Hebrew word for bride is the same Hebrew word that is kalah and so when we're told in Genesis chapter 2 verses 1 through 3 that the Creator rested on the seventh day and sanctified it the word sanctified is the Hebrew word kadash which is the same as the Hebrew word kadosh, which means to be holy. And the same letters that's found in kadosh or kadosh are the root letters for the Hebrew word kadushin, which is a Hebrew word for marriage. Therefore, we can see that the Sabbath and the seventh day, and thus the prophetic seventh day of creation, the 1,000-year Messianic era, is associated with the wedding where Yeshua will be dwelling on the earth, ruling and reigning over the nations with his bride. And this is prophetically foreshadowed in John chapter 1 and then continuing in John chapter 2 verse 1. So in John chapter 1 verse 19 it is written, and this is the record of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? So this would be day 1. Then in John chapter 1 verse 29 it says, in the next day John sees Yeshua coming unto him. 
That would be day two. In John chapter 1 verse 35 it says again the next day after John stood and two of his disciples that would be day three. And in John chapter 1 verse 43 it says in the day following Yeshua would go forth into Galilee. That's day four. And then from that fourth day in John chapter 2 verse 1 it says in the third day so that would be day seven there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee. This is a prophetic picture that after 6,000 years of time, in the seventh day, or specifically the prophetic seventh day of creation, the 1,000-year messianic era, is associated with the wedding where Yeshua will be dwelling on the earth, ruling and reigning over the nations with his bride. And this is prophetically foreshadowed in John chapter 1. And then continuing in John chapter 2 verse 1. So in John chapter 1 verse 19 it is written. And this is the record of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him who are you? So this would be day 1. Then in John chapter 1 verse 29 it says in the next day John sees Yeshua coming unto him. That would be day 2. In John chapter 1 verse 35 it says again the next day after John stood and two of his disciples that would be day 3. And in John chapter 1 verse 43 it says in the day following Yeshua would go forth into Galilee. That's day 4. And then from that fourth day in John chapter 2 verse 1 it says in the third day so that would be day 7 there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee. This is a prophetic picture that after 6,000 years of time, in the seventh day, or specifically the prophetic seventh day of creation, or the thousand-year messianic rule and reign of Yeshua, is when he will rule and reign and dwell with his bride on the earth. The next prophetic picture we're going to examine is when Joshua led the children of Israel in crossing the Jordan River as they went into the promised land. In Joshua chapter 3 verse 1 it is written, And Joshua rose early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim, and came to Jordan, and he and all the children of Israel lodged there before they passed over the Jordan into the promised land. So that would be day 1. And then in Joshua chapter 3 verse 2 it came to pass after 3 days. So that would be on the 4th day. So after waiting 4 days to cross the Jordan it is written in Joshua chapter 3 verse 3 and they command the people saying when you see the ark of the covenant of Yahweh your Elohim and the priests the Levites bearing it then you shall remove from your place and go after it. Joshua 3 4 yet there shall be a space between you and it about 2,000 cubits. So the 2,000 cubits is a prophetic picture of another two days or 2,000 years of time. So we have the four days where they waited and then the distance between them and the Ark of the Covenant is 2,000 cubits, a picture of two more days. So now we have six days. And then it says in Joshua chapter 3 verse 5, Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. So that would be the seventh day. Continuing in Joshua chapter 3 verses 6 and 7, and Joshua spake unto the priest, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass over before the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify you in the sight of all Israel. So it's after six days, after 6,000 years of time, when the exile of the nation of Israel is over, and the 12 tribes of Israel are united back into their land. The end of the exile is when Yeshua will begin to magnify himself 
in the sight and the eyes of the nation of Israel as well as the world when he gathers and unites the 12 tribes of Israel. Next we're going to see that Jacob was born when Isaac was 60 years of age. In Genesis chapter 25 verses 20 and 21 it is written, And Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah to wife. And we're told in verse 21 that she was barren. She's barren for 20 years. And then we're told in Genesis chapter 25 verse 26, when Isaac was 60 years of age, Rebekah gave birth to Jacob. This is a prophetic picture that after 4,000 years, Yeshua came to the earth at his first coming. But Yeshua was not received by the Jewish people as a corporate people. And thus, to the Jewish nation as a whole, they've been barren in being able to recognize and see Yeshua as being the Messiah. But after six days or 6,000 years of time, when the 12 tribes of Israel end their exile and are united and are brought back to their own land, through this event, Yeshua is going to reveal himself to his people. And the final prophetic picture we're going to look at is Jacob's children through his wife Leah. Jacob had six sons with Leah and one daughter. And the name of the first son was Reuben, as we can see from Genesis chapter 29 verse 32, which means, see a son. The next son was named Simeon, which comes from the Hebrew word Shema, which means to hear, as we can see in Genesis chapter 29 verse 33. The third son was named Levi, which means to join, Genesis chapter 29 verse 34. The fourth son was named Judah, or in Hebrew, Yehuda, which means praise. We can see this from Genesis chapter 29 verse 35. The fifth son was named Issachar, which means my hiring or my wages, Genesis chapter 30 verse 18. And the sixth son was named Zebulun, which means to dwell, from Genesis chapter 30 verses 19 and 20. So the six sons of Jacob through his wife Leah is going to represent 6,000 years of time. And after 6,000 years of time, Yeshua is going to dwell with his people. The name of the sixth son, Zebulun. And in doing so, he is going to rule and reign with his bride over the nations. And this is prophetically foreshadowed by the name of his daughter, Dina. Dina comes from the Hebrew word Dean, which means to judge. Genesis chapter 30 and verse 21. So now since we've looked at a variety of examples in the scripture, prophetically foreshadowing 6,000 years of the present era and a total of 7,000 years that's given for a man to live on this earth from the time of Adam and Eve in the garden to the end of the thousand year messianic era. Now we're going to look more closely at the seventh day of creation, which is when Yeshua, the creator of heaven and earth, rested. And we're going to see that the Sabbath is called the day of the Lord. Therefore, the prophetic Sabbath of the seventh day of creation, which would be the thousand year messianic era, it also is called by the prophets the day of the Lord. And even as we're told in the creation in Genesis chapter 1 that evening and morning was each day, that the prophetic day of the Lord is going to arrive upon the earth first in darkness before that day becomes light. 
So let's begin by seeing that we're told in Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, that the Sabbath is the seventh day of creation, as it is written. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. So next we're going to see from Second Peter chapter 3, verse 8 and verse 10, that as believers in Yeshua as the Messiah, we are to, as it says in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 8, not be ignorant that one day is with the Lord a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. So in referring to or quoting from Psalm chapter 90, verse 4, where it likens a day to a thousand years, and then associating this principle to the seven days of creation, the seventh day of creation, when the Creator rested, which is called Sabbath, that the prophetic Sabbath of creation, known as the day of the Lord, is going to arrive upon the earth in darkness. And that darkness is commonly called Jacob's trouble or the tribulation period. So we can see in Second Peter chapter 3 verse 10 that the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. The day of the Lord arrives as darkness in the night. We can see from Exodus chapter 20 verses 9 and 10 that six days shall you labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of Yahweh your Elohim. And that seventh day Sabbath is called in Isaiah chapter 58 verse 13, the day of the Lord as it is written. If you will turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath of delight the holy of the Lord honorable. So the Sabbath is called my holy day, the Sabbath is called the holy of the Lord, or the Sabbath is called the day of the Lord. And so this term, day of the Lord, is often used in the prophets. And we can see from the prophets that the day of the Lord arrives in darkness. And thus, the association to Jacob's trouble or the tribulation period. In Isaiah chapter 13, verses 6 and 8, it is written, Howl ye, for the day of the Lord is at hand, and it will come as destruction from the Almighty. It's associated with the tribulation period, as we can see in verse 8. And they will be afraid. Pangs and sorrows will take hold on them, and they shall be in pain as a woman that travails. In Zephaniah chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, it is written, The great day of the Lord is near. It is near and hastens greatly, even the voice of the day of the Lord. And the mighty man will cry there bitterly. That day, the day of the Lord, is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of wasteness and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness. So this darkness part of the day of the Lord is also called in the scriptures Jacob's trouble. The tribulation period is called Jacob's trouble. In Jeremiah chapter 30 verses 6 and 7 it is written, Ask ye now and see whether a man doth travail with child. Why do I see every man with his hands on his loins as a woman in travail, and all faces are turned into paleness? Alas, for that day is great. What day? The day of the Lord. So that there's none like it. It, the day of the Lord, is a time of Jacob's trouble, but he will be saved or delivered or redeemed out of it. Now we're going to look at some major events that are associated with the day of the Lord. Given that we do not know exactly how many years it's been 
from Adam and Eve in the garden to the present year, how we got to know when we come to the end of 6,000 years of time, when we cross over into that seventh day, when we cross over into the day of the Lord. Well, the Bible gives us events that are associated with the dawn of the day of the Lord and even the day of the Lord itself. And some of the major events, which I'm now going to share with you, that's associated with the day of the Lord is, number one, the day of the Lord is associated with the dividing of the land of Israel and the city of Jerusalem. Number two, the day of the Lord is associated with the fall of Babylon in the Babylonian system. And finally, another event that's associated with the season of the day of the Lord is the Gog-Magog War, where there's an assembly of nations and armies north of Israel who will invade and attack the mountains of Israel. And the mountains of Israel are biblically called Judea and Samaria, and it includes Jerusalem. The world calls Judea and Samaria the West Bank. So these events of the day of the Lord, which I've just mentioned, comes about for the purpose of creating the conditions to end the exile of the 12 tribes of Israel, wherein initially the 10 tribes of the northern kingdom was taken into captivity by the Assyrians, and the tribes of the southern kingdom, or the house of Judah, the Jewish people, were taken into captivity by the Babylonians. The end of the exile of northern kingdom and southern kingdom in their uniting, as outlined in Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 15 to 24, and their return to the land of Israel is also associated with the day of the Lord and the coming of Yeshua the Messiah in power and in great glory. So let's see how these things are so and how they're associated with the day of the Lord. First, we're going to see from the book of Joel that the day of the Lord is associated with the nations dividing the land of Israel. In Joel chapter 1 verse 15 it is written, Alas for the day, for the day of the Lord is at hand, and as destruction from the Almighty shall it come. Then Joel chapter 3 verse 2, we see how the nations are going to divide the land of Israel, as it is written, I will gather all nations and bring them into the valley of Jehoshaphat, and I will plead with them there for my people and for my heritage Israel, whom they've scattered among the nations and parted or divided my land. We can see that the day of the Lord is associated with the dividing the land of Israel and the city of Jerusalem. From Zechariah chapter 14 verses 1 and 2 as it is written. Behold the day of the Lord comes and your spoil shall be divided in the midst of you. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. The city will be taken, the houses rifled, the women ravished, and half of the city will go into captivity. Or in other words it will be divided. So we can see here that the dividing of Jerusalem is associated with war. And what war would this be associated with? The battle of Gog and Magog. Because once the nations by war divide the nation of Israel and the city of Jerusalem, we're told in Zechariah chapter 14 verse 3, then the Lord will go forth and fight against the nations as when he fought in the day of battle. And who's going to be fighting against the nations? Yeshua. And what is understood to be the day of battle? It is Exodus chapter 15 when Pharaoh and his army drowned in the Red Sea. So the day of the Lord is associated with the judgment of the nations for dividing the land of Israel. 
Well, that's going to conclude part five of the series on the subject, the 7,000-year plan of God. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts in order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others. We are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and... Please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S T R A S B U R G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.